0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello, and welcome, lovely listeners, to the Anfield Index Podcast. I am Trev Downey. Uh, This is episode 270 and I am podcasting to you from my agrarian paradise here in beautiful rural Ireland. And just before I introduce my pod mates, um, the usual crew, I want to take a moment to thank everyone involved with Anfield Index who was so supportive to me over a time of incredible anxiety and stress um, in recent weeks. 13 days I would not want to relive ever. It was a positive result at the end, and the support that I got via all of you, it made a real impression. Um, Without getting too soppy about it, it made a real impression, and I appreciate it immensely. Um, So I wanted to flag that up right at the start. Another thing to flag up right at the start is that in the background, you can hear the chirping sound of cherubic children um, as they frolic in the background, just outside Karl Kopak's gaff. And he's definitely not worried about that in the slightest and not even vaguely irritated. But we've decided to leave it as some backdrop. So that will be basically the soundtrack to the show. And of course, we've got Cam Branch waiting um, patiently to get kicked off as well. He's sporting some retro Liverpool gear this evening, a very, very nice ensemble and a twirly moustache in the making, um, which we're very excited about. And Guy Drinkle has decided he still can't join us tonight, but soon. Dear listeners, soon he will. Now, uh, we will warn you just at the start that the opening topics from all three of us are on the borderline of sort of serious, um, if not a little bit heavy. That's not to say that this will be the tone of the show, but look, we can't just stumble arse backwards into a show after three weeks and not acknowledge what's going on around. So um, what I would do is maybe for the more impactful things might ask if Carl could mute the children. <laughs> well, then. Uh While I'm doing this, it would be appropriate, and um, I'll uh, I'll come straight without to without violence, Carl. Without what, violence. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. When I say mute, I mean your microphone. Don't actually mute the children.
2: <laughs> Tell you what I'll do.
1: Because you, I'll, I'll move
2: rooms silently while you
1: talk. Yeah, uh, you're a star. You're a star. Well, it's not going to be me. It's going to be Irish singer songwriter Amelda May who come out, who came up with. Two minutes worth of a poem, and I'm not usually given to poetry, end of story, um, which is weird for a literature freak. Um, but look, this is so appropriate, and it touches on something that I tried to explain to some of my foreign chums of late uh, about what it is to be Irish, but it also is very much in the um, current context of what it is to be discriminated against. So have a listen to Imelda May.
0: You don't get to be racist and Irish. You don't get to be proud of your heritage, plight and fights for freedom while kneeling on the neck of another. You're not entitled to sing songs of heroes and martyrs, mothers and fathers who cried as they starved in a famine. Or of brave-hearted, self-spoken poets and artists. Lined up in a yard. Blindfolded and bound while waiting for Godot or point blank to sound. We emigrated. We immigrated. We took refuge and so cannot refuse when it's our time to return the favour. Land stolen. Spirits broken. Bodies crushed and swollen. Unholy tokens of Christ nailed to a tree. You hang around your neck. Like the noose of the free. Our colour pasty, our accents thick, hands like shovels from mortar and bricklay in every foundation of the cities you stand upon. Our suffering seeps from every stone your opportunities arise from. Outstanding on the shoulders of your forefathers, and foremothers who bore your mother's mother. Our music is for the righteous. Our joys are earned and well-deserved, and serve to remind us to remember more blacks, more dogs, more Irish. Still labelled leprechauns, mix, paddies, louts, we're shouting to tell you our land, our laws, are progressively out there. We're in a chrysalis state of emerging into a new and more beautiful era, forty shades better. Unanimous in our rainbow vote, we found our stereotypical pot of gold, and my like God, it's good. So join us, because you don't get to be racist and Irish. It's
1: pretty powerful, I think you'll agree. Wow. Um, a message for the days that are in it, as we are bombarded by images of pretty horrific stuff. Um, inspired by pretty horrific actions. Um, It's important to take a moment to acknowledge what's going on. We're not going to start preaching to anybody on the show tonight, but I wanted to set the tone properly and I found that inspiring. And it it tells a little story as well, which I have struggled, I think, to articulate to other people about how you can actually be from this part of the world and speak about that topic with some degree of let's just say 800 years, perhaps, worth of a concept of what it might be about without having to be overly cagey and cautious and constantly checking privilege. It's a discussion that needs to be had and never more so than right now. So it's, um, I thought, an important thing to start off on. And you'll, like I say, you'll pardon the the serious overtones of it, but Jesus, if you can't listen to that and hear something that's relevant to you today, then, you know... um, I know, go back to watching Fox News or whatever. Uh, so I will introduce Carl Kalbach next. Carl, uh, what have you got for us to start off?
2: Well, firstly, welcome back, Trev. That needs to be said from all of us. Um, um it, It's interesting you should, you should start with that because I've been thinking about a line from an Irish comedy this week, which is in The Commitments, where he says, um, uh, the Irish are the blacks of Europe and the Southsiders are the blacks of Dublin. Uh, And, you know, that sort of it's we're we're still only people can say, yes, but this is happening 3000 miles away, what have you. But it's not. And it's never been happening 3000 miles away. It's always been happening here. It's just no one's talking about it. And there's one line that really hit me this week. And I think it might be Will Smith or someone like that said, "Um, this isn't new racism. This is just filmed racism. That's the only difference at the moment. But um, I want to go to this quote, because I think this sums it up perfectly about about what's happened since then. I submit that an individual who breaks a law that conscience tells him is unjust and who willingly accepts the penalty of imprisonment in order to arouse the conscience of the community over its injustice is in reality expressing the highest respect for law.
1: Nice. So
2: that's basically saying that there are people out there breaking the law at the moment, but if that riles people to do something about injustice, then that respects the law rather than breaks it, even though it does both. Yeah, it's tremendous. Um, well, guess who well, said that? Obviously, it's the number one man. It's Martin Luther King. Yeah. And I, I've been through, going through, I've been reading some of his, his writings lately. And uh, talk about being on the money. It's like, it's like he, he's like standing in Minneapolis now. It really is.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, it, it's it's a remarkable time um, to do some reflection. I found myself actually drawn a little bit towards Malcolm X over the last week or two, doing some reading. I say week or two. Sorry, I mean whatever the hell days it is since we emerged from that horrific nightmare <laughs> yeah. it's about three or four days and since then i've just been trying to put put things in my head and just get back to having some concept of what's going on around me and yeah it's, it is a time for reflection and reading the comparative wisdom of those uh, who uh, led movements that were supposed to have made changes um,
2: well well you mentioned malcolm x um i'm I, I recommend it to you in the week trev um that you listen to the Louis Theroux podcast, where he interviews um, Lenny Henry, who, who, who says something quite extraordinary about Malcolm X after the. And Cam, this, this is your, these are your, this is your area as well, really. Um, do you know, during the, um, during the, uh, the, the uh, Rivers of Blood speech by Enoch Powell, not too far away from you are now. Um, do you know that Malcolm, Malcolm X came over to go and look around Wolverhampton? Yeah, I this. How nuts is that?
1: Yeah, I've heard him tell this story before. That is bananas. And as, as Lenny, Lenny Henry says, you know, just, it's, um, you know,
2: Malcolm X knocking on the door and speaking to housewives in Smetic.
1: I mean, that, <laughs> that's how nuts
2: that is. But it also, like, as I said, it doesn't bring everything back. You know, this isn't just 3,000 miles away. This, this isn't, you know, we're not going back to, you know, lynchings and things like this. This was like the 1970s, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. which we, you- were,
1: we were around for well let 's be honest as well we We often do retrospectives here, the three of us on um t v from the seventies and eighties and what the most the most absolutely glaringly awful aspect of the television of that time by far well you could say the sexism is quite quite uh, is quite an affront, but by God, the racism is absolutely unholy. And it continues through the two decades, but especially in the 70s. Now, I'm a massive fan of those compendium shows where they look over, you know, it was okay in the 70s or whatever, and you've got clips from various shows and ads and different cultural references points uh, of the time. And you think, I was alive during this fucking obnoxious shit that was deemed okay. And we think, and we're constantly patting ourselves on the back about how far we've come, and then something like this. Uh, Happens, And you get to see, it's not so much the horrific incident um, that sparked this, but you get to see in people's reactions to it uh, how little some things have changed. Um, Cam Branch, are you going to lighten the mood completely now with your um, musings from the Birmingham zone? Um,
3: Unfortunately not, no. Okay. Race and racism is a reality that so many of us grow up learning to deal with learning to just deal with but if we ever hope to move past it it can't just be on people of color to deal with it it's up to all of us black white everyone no matter how well-meaning we think we might be to do the honest uncomfortable work of rooting it out it starts with self-examination and listening to those whose lives are different from our own it ends with justice compassion and empathy that manifests in our lives and on our streets. That was Michelle Obama, uh after the George George Floyd um instead of murder, I should say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh as a as a you know, sort of naturally left leaning fella, I'm sort of um I'm always just mildly queasy about 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 uh, some of the more dominant figures on that side of whatever spectrum we're supposed to find ourselves uh, taking a team on. But it's hard to argue any of that at all, Cam. And I mean, just to get a personal reflection from you, on what's going on over the last while, we've got some of my ideas, we've got some of Carl's ideas, and we can... I think just reverse the bus into the into the uh, garage when we've heard from you and and move on towards our football chat what with football arriving back on our on our calendars. but is there anything you'd like to say to reflect on that opening topic that we've sort of been just touching off the edges of
3: um, It's been a long time in coming, I think, in what's finally happening and in the way it's grabbed the attention of the whole world now. Um, the world is slowly but surely really waking up to racism in all forms and guises and, you know, quite pertinent your opening quote as well in that the Irish have suffered as well. It's not just about colour. It does go a lot deeper than that. Um, I've, I've suffered racism for a lot of my life personally. I'm not going to go into individual aspects of it but I've suffered it and I know what it's like to feel that and when you it it can be a lonely scary experience because the racists will only attack you when you're on your own they're very brave then when there's a when they're usually in a group they won't do it one-to-one but what's happened now is I'm finding I feel racism is more prevalent on social media. It's easy to be a racist on a key behind a keyboard, hiding behind a screen wherever they're hiding you know two thousand miles away three thousand miles away it, it's the the form of racism has changed a lot and we all can do we can all be better. no matter how much we may say we we do. We do enough. We don't. We can all be better. And, you know, this has got to be the start now. It can't just be, yes, these people have, have been charged with murder, you know, and that's the end of Eventually. it now. Eventually. Eventually, yes. And it, even – I think there should still be more charges for, like, the the medical examiner who did the initial autopsy. You know, the fact that he was trying to say, well – It it happened because of underlying conditions. Well, sorry, but if you put your knee on someone's neck for nearly nine minutes and they're telling you they can't breathe, they're struggling. Yeah, it's pretty clear cut that you've you've gone a bit over the top there, you know. So uh, we,
2: We can always also go back to the president who said today that George Floyd might be looking down at us at the moment and thinking at least something good has come from this. Because unemployment yeah,
3: yeah. figures went down and the economy's yeah. gone up a
2: lot of it. Yeah, Betty's made up with that. Betty George's family are made up with that as well. I've um, done his bit. Over,
3: overjoyed. Overjoyed.
2: Yeah. So you, yeah. But what, I agree with what you say there, Cam, about, you know, there are things we can do. And um, I heard um, I'm a big fan of James A. Castor's podcast. Um, and he gave up the first few minutes of his podcast today to say, you know, we, we can help from over here, not, and not just in terms of money as well, but in, in terms of if you. Um, if you go into Google and type George Flood, how can I help? There's petitions you can sign. Um, if you want to give, like you know, the equivalent of ten dollars to uh, to help pay pay the bail for the protesters or anything like that, you can help. It's not an ocean away. You can go out and you know and not just help some people, but actually fight the badness in this as well and do that as well. I think that's always a worthwhile thing to do. I think racism
3: racism has no boundaries.
1: Yeah, I I, th- I think look having having the conversation cliche and all as it is is a big part and a big help uh, and what's been painfully apparent to me is someone who doesn't who who can't buy into the horribly simplistic uh, you know two-sided arguments that exist in politics across all the biggest uh, situations in the globe. What's painfully apparent to me is that this has been politicised. What's painfully apparent to me is that, much and all as it might disturb people to hear, there are actually bad actors who are involved in the protest side now. Um, you can see guys with earpieces, you can see pallets of bricks that have just pitched up. So some people are using this in a very, very invidious way to to, to further their own political ends. And it's just disgusting because at the heart of it, you've got a man who was killed in the most ridiculously horrible, vile way with people looking on who are supposed to be the counterparts of this guy and keeping him in check. And I worry, I honestly do worry that, you know, you talked about it earlier on Cam. that there might only be one conviction. The guy who actually did the crime, this so-called Chauvin fella would, let's not even get into the name there. Um, I, I, what what happens if one or two of those guys get off and i think that could happen you know you know what you're dealing with over there um there's there's you know it's 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 a, it's a, it's a sort of a wild west all of my american friends they're anxious constantly because they don't know what the next day is going to bring and without getting into any of the like i say partisan politics of it because frankly that's bollocks and if anyone believes in that nonsense then they need their head red if anyone's getting on a team about this. They need their head read. Just be a decent human, for Christ's sake. So, it's, it's not politics, it's humane, isn't it? That, that's exactly. the yeah. it's a different It's like the bullshit with masks. If you want to know how and when and where masks are effective, go and do some research, you child. Go and read a book. Go and read a study. Don't take from your violently partisan media channel what it is that you you should think as a member of team A or team B, just grow the hell up and do a bit of research. That's what people need to do. And they're not doing it. They're picking a team and they're rabbiting bullshit that they don't even understand. And that's happening here too. And it's discussions like proper discussions with people who have empathy. That's where things can get forwarded. That's where things can start to take root. And that's where I hope there can be a little bit of hope coming out of this because at the moment it doesn't look too hopeful from any perspective. In any part of the world, um, it's all pretty grim at the moment. So you just have to hope that there are little things that are starting to take hold. I think people are starting to see the scales are falling away from the rise a little bit and they're starting to see the absolute shitshow that we're being fed on a daily basis, the lies that are being absolutely propagated by the media every day and hopefully maybe that'll take hold a little bit and people start to think for themselves. That's that's where I I'd, I'd land on it in terms of hoping that something positive could come out of this.
2: Well you're uh, gonna enjoy this segue, Trev are you ready? This is gold. It's, it's, a, it's a bit like when Gerard said he was gonna leave and sky brought down a Liverpool shirt. And some petrol, and said, "Who would like to be filmed? <laughs> Who would like to be filmed setting fire to this?"
1: Burning the jersey. Right, yeah. Will
2: you? Will you ever? Who would that? like to be filmed doing this? Right, go for it. Burn the
1: shirt. So football's back. <laughs> ah, <laughs> come
2: on, come on! This is what the people want. Seamless segues like that.
1: I got. I'm. I'm going to talk inside baseball and out of school and all the other cliches and say that in the middle of our chat there young cop says maybe we should just fuck off the football and talk about this because that's I'm, all I'm,
2: I'm more than happy to do that I really that's what am. The
1: three of us want to do but we're not going to do that because you tuned into anfield in next to here football podcast we're going to give you that uh so we're going to get into it now and i want to start from a, a, a comedic point of view from one of the most bizarre things i've seen recently carl you put it into the group chat earlier on. I'd seen it earlier in the day and honestly it's so difficult to even know what to make of it it is a banner from uh, our buddies um, uh, the city, some city fans
3: would you I
1: don't, uh, Will you? Will, can you put it into context for us so people can understand it's basically the Muppet Show and it's a, a dig at UEFA, take it on from there
2: yeah because they've been obviously banned because of like an IFFP and things like that and uh, it, it says like you know the, the the agenda they have is to it basically reads from left to right and the agenda they have is that's uh, is that man city are not allowed to win anything stop getting beat by tottenham stop getting beat by real madrid you know that's pretty much you know uh, um, stop getting beat by liverpool stop being, I was trying to i was trying to think out the other, who else they've lost to <laughs> and i had
1: to struggle it was that Oh yeah. Well, well they, they've got, they've got they've got animal, they've got fuzzy, they've got Kermit, and they've got them all in a line across. And it says at the top, ignore racism, ban innocent fans, protect the elite. Oh my God, the lack of uh, the lack of self awareness. And then meeting agenda with the UEFA crest, three, one, two, and three, the top three items. Stop Man City. I mean, you've got to savor this level of absolute paranoia from these newly entitled numpties. What well, are you thinking?
3: Well, I mean? Wow, I've just realised something. What's that, man? It's actual people stood around it. This banner's fucking huge. know <laughs> <laughs> dude, yeah. One, yeah, two, huge. three, four, five, six. And it, it must be about 50 feet by 20, 30 feet.
1: It's fucking outrageous how large it is. That's a really good point, you <laughs> made. We should have mentioned that.
2: Shit. Is, is it an air thing? Aren't they going to fly it?
1: Oh, God. Oh my Not God, that. it's the new... No, I, I you might be wrong on that. that. I might be wrong you on that. You can't
3: fly that. The, the one they would fly... can't fly that. that. The one is a, they could fly the one underneath, FFP, yeah. wherever you were when we were shit. Which I quite like. That's I've, I've that's always cool. liked
1: that. I've always liked that. That song. is that is clever. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm all for that. But to, yeah. to, to be fair, there is no way that that main banner, which you'll see on Twitter, just put in Man City banner into Twitter, uh, or UA, Man City UEFA banner, There is no way that that can be interpreted as anything other than the rantings of paranoid, delusional, entitled, obnoxious nouveau riche fans. It can't be anything else. Can I play devil's
2: advocate here for a second? Firstly, um, the right about the racism for UEFA, because racism um, is is not an issue for UEFA. UEFA don't care. They'll put out paltry fines if Balotelli gets slagged off in a game. Uh, just absolutely laughable stuff. They're completely right about that, and I'm all for that. But and I don't get angry about what other clubs say about anything else. It's just you know it's none of my business. One club is enough for me to worry about. But Trev, if they're going to start bringing up Fozzie Bear here, Fozzie Bear, for God's sake, is nothing sacred in the game. You keep Fozzie Bear out to this. Leave him alone. Leave him alone, man. He's
1: got. He's, he's a struggling comedian. Just leave him there. He's just trying to get a set together. It's he's a great trying... hat. It's a great set. Yeah, he's a loyal mate. You know, it's 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 a liberty. Is what it is. It's a. I mean, liberty. animal
2: can look after himself. Fair play, no question with that. Kermit he can handle a... himself. Yeah. He can
1: handle himself. Yeah. Kermit
2: is a decent host. You know, we all we, we all like them whenever we get them. But if you're if they're going if they've got who's to go to who's the first one <laughs> if they've got to go to Middlesbrough and get something off Fozzie Bear. <laughs> I've lost a lot of respect for them tonight.
1: <laughs> I will love it. I will love <laughs> it. They get something off you. Ava. The the first guy, the guy at the bottom, is the Professor. What's his name? He used to have the assistant called Beaker. Beaker, yeah. I can't remember what the professor's name is, but no, I, th- I, I think he was Swedish. I think that was. Oh no, it was a Swedish. No,
2: you're thinking think the Swedish chef,
1: yeah? Okay, and then there's Miss Piggy as well. And you carry on that. I'll, 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 I'll this figure is David
3: Gill. So who's who's David Parry? Who's Is that Rick Parry then?
1: Yeah, that's Beaker. That's Beaker.
3: Right, okay. He's Rick, professor Parry on the, Rick Parry's at the EFL. He's not on the UEFA committee, is he?
2: His name is Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, by which I mean the God. Muppet, not the bloke from UEFA.
1: There you go. Uh, I, 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 I can't comment with authority, Cam, so I'm not even going to uh, opine on that. Um, I'm
3: just Googling it harry uefa see what comes up rick i'm, I'm googling dr bunsen honeydew <laughs> we've, got, we've got
1: all the angles covered for you yeah, then.
3: Just, rick you know. harry is part of the uefa panel considering what's going on man city financial fair paying place okay they've, they've done a bit of research then fair enough
2: I also got to say you know I, i'm 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 all for for bringing down institutions and things like that but you were guilty, lad.
1: I <laughs> just say like
3: yeah. that.
2: Yeah. See,
1: but that's it. Right. And, and Carl, I didn't want to. I didn't want to step across what you were saying there because you were making a perfectly valid point that you know, and linked in nicely to the opening of the show about the racism aspect and the absolutely farcical, paltry, and actually dangerous uh, example they're setting with their fines um, and their you know total like, you know lip service to a topic that's far more important than that. But it is them doing exactly what I was talking about other people doing and politicizing something for their own end. You know, it, it is at the end of the day a banner about poor us. So, you know, whereas it's a good point in its own uh, in the in the context of this, it's just them it's just them, you know, I don't know. But like it's I said, also, politicizing it for, the, for their own end, you know.
2: It's also the timing. why do it now? Why did
3: why didn't you do it when the
2: you know it was what two months ago when the announcement was made that they're going to be banned for two
3: years? I think the case is uh, next week, isn't
2: it? Oh, so it is. Okay. I, think, bring... I think
3: the um, the appeals next week or something.
2: That'll bring it down, anyway.
3: Yeah, oh, or I, mean, I could be completely wrong, bro. I'm sure it was set for mid June or something.
2: I feel a bit sad about this as well because I mean I always go back to the fact that I'm an old fart and everything. But I've got some city fan mates who, who are just really, really good lads. So I think might be be embarrassed by this. You know, they're all, you know, they're bang up for the new era because you know the winners stuff, which is which is new for them, and even they
1: would say that. But mm. um, it's just a bit sort of cringy. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I I saw I saw Liverpool being accused of being cringy in the week by yeah. some of our own fans for the um, gesture towards the Black Lives Matter movement. And I, I thought it was excessively harsh. If you're going to call that cringy, then this thing here is on a, 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 a galactic scale of cringe. Uh, and look, I mean, you know, for, like you say, man, like we've all said before, fair play, do what you're going to do. Have your little wines. Nobody cares really when it's partisan stuff. You can talk all sorts of nonsense, but it just echoes so hollow when, they, when they're coming out with like how they're being uh, afflicted and and, and and put upon. The reason we're talking about a Man City banner, though, is because the reality of football has just crystallized. And Liverpool do return to Premier League action on, this is amazing, lads, uh, in the derby against Everton on Sunday, June the 21st at 7pm. That's my birthday, lads. It's nearly as if this was sort of... It's all about me is what I'm saying. And Jurgen Klopp's team will then play Crystal Palace at Anfield on the Wednesday, June the 24th, just three days later uh, at 8.15 p.m. Now, this is what it's all about. And then we have a massive gap of, what is there, 30 days in June, uh, six, eight days until we play Manchester City at 8.15 p.m. And I believe that's at their place. I could be wrong.
2: Uh Man City, we've uh, we we've beat them in Anfield, didn't we?
1: Yeah, so I think we're yeah. we're at the empty head for that, uh in theory. Yes. Um so, <laughs> so that's, unfair, that's an unfair
3: that's an advantage for City, isn't
1: exactly. it? Exactly,
2: yay. <laughs> Sorry, but while we're doing the funnies, can I I have just completely forgot about this. Why are you talking about the, the taking a knee thing in Anfield or that picture? Some bloke, some right wing prick got into an argument with someone on Twitter, just someone sent me the screen grab where it says, you know, um why why are they doing this? And someone said, obviously, you know, what about Van Dyke? What about Wenaldum? And the bloke replied, Maybe Van Dyke and Wynaldum support the police. I'm just gonna leave that there. Bloody hell. <laughs> Fucking hell bloody hell. You might think that may have, they may have said something, why don't we do this? you know, along with Sadio and you know and basically anyone else obviously, you know, not just because you know that they're of colour, but uh uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe they support the police. You just you 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 see all all the crazies come out at moments like this. They really come out to play. Um, the crazies came out uh, about FSG, and uh, it's a topic we'll come on. Oh. We will come to and I know, Cam, you've got ideas about this, but let's just talk about the football for a second because we can talk about football now. And like I said, on the the twenty first of June, we play the Blues uh, in. Just to answer, Carl, absolutely. Okay. We, play, we play the Blues in uh, in the Derby, and Christ alive, is going to be exciting. There is a potential, I think, that a win there will be enough uh, if City lose. I think I'm right in if, saying that.
3: If City lose to Arsenal away.
1: Yeah. Um, then we've
3: got Palace, which... if Arsenal, we- the only team, uh, just a banter stat right now, the only team unbeaten in 2020. That's a, that's quite the
1: stat. Yeah, and if we manage to beat Palace again
3: <laughs> in the league, that is in the league. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Uh, if, if we manage to beat Palace, it doesn't really matter what City do. Uh, if, if, if so, we've got two wins to get. We know that we've got six points to get on the board. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I talked to Ian about this last night. We do video podcasts now, lads. I don't know if you know that. We do video podcasts, yeah. That's oh, how it works Jesus now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I knew, I knew Carl would love that. I knew Carl would be right up for that. And by the way, next week, yeah, the Anfield Next Podcast will, depending purely on Carl Kapak, be a video podcast where we'll get to see his lovely, lovely, lovely lockdown Barnet in all its mushrooming glory. Uh,
3: I'll have to have a trim then and a shave just to get uh, the, you, the, the well, you, looking good. What
1: you need to do is get that little, that little absolute masterpiece of a tash curled to perfection. Oh, um, it
3: won't curl, yeah, it just won't curl.
2: It's, it's getting curl. there, man. It's
3: getting.
1: It is. It is. It is. Yeah, I'm, 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 liking it. Trev, I'm using a comb. It's come to this. It's come to this. Well, you, you, you again, just to fill the listeners in on some um, behind the the microphones chat that we had before on the red button. Before anyone, on the red button, before anyone uh, starts recording uh, officially.
3: Just in case you're wondering why he's using a comb now, because he used to use a fork before.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: I've no need to go anywhere near my head. It's
1: always been short enough for it not to be an issue. But Carlos promised that he will go full 90s boy band, wings, curtains, whatever you want to call them. Um, this is going to be an absolute epoch-defining show, so make sure you tune in for that. I'm, I'm, I'm the bass player in the Soup Dragons. It's not. Or the Mock Turtles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not quite sure sure where he's going with this. Uh, Look, lads, I suppose what I'm saying to you is, speaking to uh, young Malby on this last night, I was gripped in the middle of an excitable chat by a bit of fear, uh, because it dawned on me that this is essentially a preseason, except it's worse than that. Because... It's not like the lads haven't been keeping fit, they have. They've been on their programs like they would be over summer anyway. But all of us have been, in one way or another, to some extent or another, sort of battered mentally by all this as well. So people are tired in a way that they haven't been tired for quite a while. <coughs> this takes its toll. We've seen several several Premier League footballers talking about their reluctance to return one or two very high-profile uh, decisions made that they will not. Um, I wonder about this, and Cam, I'll start with you in this. We all have it in our heads that six points are needed and we're hoping it'll happen sooner rather than later. But it could be a situation where that game at City has come and gone and we still haven't won this title. And there'll be six games left and people people in their simplicity uh, will start to panic a little bit. Uh, You can see that happening, can't you? Because one way or the other, it doesn't matter how you factor it in, this is... Worse than pre-season. And as Jan said last night, it's not two, three games. It's four, five, six games before you get into some sort of a groove and you feel I'm ready to start the season. That's just how it's going to be. The lads are going to be low on match legs, no matter what their fitness uh, and fitness reservoirs are, and low on sharpness, no matter what uh, you might think. And that's going to have an impact. And I just hope we saw, and we'll come back to it, the panic around the lack of signing Timo Werner and what that did to a fan base that already traumatized for you know good reasons, but 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 you can see you can see it, can't you? You can see it if the results don't come immediately. What's your gut feeling on what's going to happen over those three games that we know now are scheduled?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure where you get this panic thing from. Liverpool fans are the most calm, rational <laughs> fan, fan base. <laughs> I've ever come across Um, on behalf of all Liverpool fans uh, around the world I resent that allegation Uh, I apologise I will be be speaking to the Anfield index lawyers Um, (laughs) uh, the slander that you um,
0: (laughs) know in
3: all seriousness yeah we we're a a fickle bunch of fans Um, as for the match fitness um, it's the same for the opposition we're all in the same boat. Golly. So the, whatever position we are in terms of fitness, it's the same for Everton. It's going to be the same for Crystal Palace. It's going to be the same for Man City. Um, I saw a picture uh, last week, Kevin De Bruyne. He's, he's put on some timber. I've not seen any pictures of any of the Liverpool players are carrying a bit of timber like that. They, they've looked like they've kept themselves in good shape. We've seen videos of Bobby sprinting at 500 miles an hour on his treadmill. Um, you know they've all been working out. We've seen the Zoom uh, videos that they put up that where they they're getting together first thing in the morning and uh, they're going through their stretching and whatever and doing doing their little workouts like like that. We've seen the videos now of the 11 versus 11 and Nabi Lad sprinting away from Trent, even though Trent was starting from literally a standing start, so it looked like Nabby was going at 700 miles an hour. Um, so I think with the team that we've got behind the players and the way they've been playing all season, I think this, in a strange way, this break would have done them good because it would have recharged the batteries. I think just before the the league was shut down, we were beginning to look faded. There was, a, there was a few games where we weren't playing well, hence, you know, the loss to Watford, for example. Um, we weren't that sharp against Bournemouth, even though we won that game. So I think this will, have, in, a, in a way, will have revitalised the players. I think we'll actually be in a better place for it. I love
1: that. And um, there's an, an added thing to consider here, Carl. I want to hop this one off you. And that's Motivation. Um, will there ever have been a team of lads? And and, and Cam says, it's interesting, you know, we've all had our own experiences over what uh, this period of time uh, has been of, you know, Zoom calls and family quizzes and whatever the hell, you know, with uh, grainy video images as we look at each other. And we've taken solace in the fact that we can actually see each other and talk to each other and see a smile on someone's face that you know. It makes a difference. And we know that our lads were very, very involved in that. Uh, you know, it, it worries me just on a little aside, and nobody needs to comment on this. A little aside, it worries me like nothing has worried me before about how every single ad on TV at the moment, and the, people don't put money into these things for nothing, is about this remote detached living and just uh, the concept of it kicking in again. Oh, it just freaks me out. I'll never use that new normal phrase. I will never talk about social distancing. I'll talk about physical distancing. I don't want to be one of these drones that are being programmed by something I don't like. But we've seen our lads enjoy the benefits, and I've enjoyed them, of Zoom calls, of of, of the connectivity that it's shit connectivity, but it's some connectivity that we have. And I think, Carl, there's a motivation that our lads have, which will have been kindled and enkindled and kept burning by the best man manager that the game has ever seen, I think that'll push us over the edge. And I think, yeah, we may not get it done in the game, in the two games or three games, maybe not even the four games, but this thing will be done. I don't doubt it for a second because I don't doubt that the motivation of these guys will be absolutely off the charts. Do you think I'm being naive there?
2: Well, I'm 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 never at home to run a talk, ever. No, no runners is my philosophy, and I I think we'll be done in two games. I really will. Um, I think you're right. Our our motivation is stronger than most because we've only got to win two games, and then you know no one cares if we sit on the beach for the rest of the year. But uh, or whenever the new season starts, but um, I'm not worried at all. I, I've enjoyed the, um, the the videos as well. I don't always plug into the sort of um, the, the the club social media and stuff. But I do like the fact that this, this is just a little thing, that they all waited till Harvey Elliott came on to a call to sing him happy birthday. And he's, he's like a kid. And they all waited for him, all these, like, you know, mega stars. Um, and, and that's the manager's doing. Um, so I've got no real worry whatsoever about what's going to happen in the next few weeks. Liverpool will win the league. It's too early for me to say that, obviously. There's me uh, got to say that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we will. I'm not worried. I'm honestly not worried at all. I think... Cam's right. We all start from the same place, as in, you know. Um, I've, I've got to say, if I was as fat as Kevin De Bruyne, I'd take that. But uh, <laughs> that
1: would that would be a plus for me. But what, what what about Harry Kane? Like, have you seen the picture? The pictures of Harry Kane? No. I mean, he's, I mean, he, sorry, he's put on a bit of weight as well. Kev Kev slimline by comparison with Harry. Harry is. Harry just looks like a lad who's sitting on a low wall outside a a a, a, a local um sort of youth club waiting for a minibus which is overpacked uh, with his kit bag on his shoulder uh, throwing, throwing chips and drinking Royal Dutch lager well there you go <laughs> uh, he, he looks like a sunday league player it's, for it, the teenagers. it's 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 <laughs> splendid um it's 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 a, it's a remarkable thing to see whereas our guys not only do they look lean uh i think that determination is going to push and push and push i just i, I really hope i think it would be absolutely joyous if we could go to city with the title in the bag i i i do i i think if we could get these two wins it'd be brilliant the
3: Come- god of honor oh, imagine man
1: imagine it and we deserve that do you know as a club as a fan base uh people hate that phrase as a group of fans uh the lads themselves more than family anyone, surely uh, sorry uh, uh, hashtag LFC family uh we we do deserve that we do deserve that and 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 you know that's we've got football on the telly again. I'm kind of beside myself. I was just talking to you both about how little podcasting I've been doing because most of my podcasts are like let's react to or predict about or speak about the the match itself and it's going to be great to get back into it two-footed into raw and talking about games and analyzing games i can't wait for it i mean is there anything else that you want to talk about about those specific fixtures that are coming up because i to be honest with you it seems a bit redundant to be looking at any game with any kind of seriousness in terms of analysis because all previous forms out the window uh so is there anything that I'm leaving on the table there in regards to those games, which we know are scheduled now, and either of you want to talk about it? Feel free to pick it up and run with it. Um,
3: well, I'd, I'd be quite happy to win it at Wooderson. I think that, you know, to win it at Wooderson would be, would be quite magical, because the fume from, from the Blue Half Merseyside would be stupendous. It'd be worth its weight in gold. It really would.
1: It'd be glorious.
3: And that requires Arsenal, doesn't it, to beat... Yeah, it. that requires Arsenal to, to maintain their unbeaten record <laughs> of 2020. <laughs> four wins and four draws. And Mikel Arteta, manager of the season so far, yeah. or manager of 2020 even. So, um,
2: can we, yeah, just, can no. we just
3: have a round of applause for Mikel in his last, please? Yes. Go on, Mikel
1: big, so, big fan. I, I would say right now. I would. I would also, as a guy who's like, famously uh, follically challenged, there are few, if any, people who I ever look at with a degree of envy, because uh, you know, I just, I, I, I like being. I like my hair the way it is. It was. It was the way it is now, since way before it needed to be. But I like Mikel Arteta's hair. He's got Lego Man hair, yeah. And I, unmovable. I'm, I'm a tremendous fan of that type of Barnet. It's the kind of Barnet that lads have still when they're 97, and they're you know you, you see them being interviewed about how, yes, uh, on Omaha Beach I did X, Y, or Z. That type of Barnet. It's remarkable. It doesn't change. It's more than good wax, lad. You you can you can leave your mustachio twirling out of it for a minute. This is like this is that's a proper head of hair that kid has. So even for that, even for that. I'm, I'm, I'm manager of the year. I'm giving them manager of the year now. If they if they beat Arsenal and we get to win it at Cullison, holy Jesus, that's amazing. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. That would be so good. That <laughs> first time of asking, do we know what the city game is? Because I'm as
3: seventeenth, I think.
1: Ooh, so it can be done, as like yes,
3: yes, because city are, are playing a game in hand, aren't they? So there's <laughs> uh, four teams who have played 28 games so far. So they're both playing on the 17th.
1: Love it, love it. I so, it so, I, so, I,
3: so I could be, I could have the day wrong, but I'm pretty certain one game is at six o'clock, and then the next game is at eight o'clock. Uh, so everybody then is back to 29 games.
1: Oh man, that's that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Yeah, we've only got the three dates for us, but I think you're right about that city thing. So it can be done at uh, Goodison. Yes. How beautiful is that? That is absolutely tremendous. Um, we've got a million things to talk about here. Actually, can
2: I can I have one quick thing?
1: Please do, please do. Yeah,
2: uh, it's it's about the neutral venue thing, etc. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 that I'm not even going to mention his name, but that city journalist um, who bizarrely didn't block me despite me calling him a fucking imbecile and getting 200 <laughs> retweets on it. Um saying that, you know, he'd rather stay at home and Liverpool fans, you know, they'd rather go out and cause danger by congregating around the ground. May I remind him and his fucking ludicrous idea that if people congregate outside the ground, which Liverpool are playing in, they miss the fucking match. Because it's not <laughs> you can't you can't see the game from outside the ground. And do you really think we're gonna risk our lives to stand outside the ground to a game that we must win? to watch Liverpool win the league that we can't actually see. So why don't you write some proper fucking copy and stop acting like a fucking fanzine, fanzine writer, you imbecilic prick.
1: Well, I wanted to leave a little silence after that because hopefully Guy will cut and paste this and we'll put it out there. I <laughs>
3: thought literally. you
1: were going to do the uh, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> <laughs> <So it's 25 laughs> there. Oh, Justin Trudeau. Oh, God. There's a podcast in Justin Trudeau. We'll leave that that particular uh, oddball to one side for a second. Um, Do you know what interests me is... We've got lots and lots of things to talk about, which are specific, and I think we should. We could we could wax lyrical about the lads' funny haircuts as they return to Melwood. Uh, I, I try. Yeah, absolutely. I tried to get to draw Jan and that. Yeah, and Jan's Jan's had uh, some homemade haircuts. Carl's been avoiding them so far. Um, Cam's just, you know, exactly. So nice. Gloriously experimenting with that. I love the way you assumed I go to glorious, pal. (laughs) (laughs) I I,
3: I assumed you were going elsewhere. I decided to lead it (laughs) somewhere
1: else. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Jesus! Uh, We have a couple of things I want to bounce off you. Just official things um, to do with what's going on with the club. So, the we have a substitute situation, and again, I raised this in the podcast with Jan last night. He was he was. To say disparaging would be sort of underselling it. He was just like, I think he called it fucking bollocks. So <laughs> I'm going to frame it up like that for you. So you, you feel free to push back against the big man if you like. But the Premier League released the following statement Premier League shareholders today agreed temporary changes to the rules relating to substitute players for the remainder of 2019 20. Uh, the number of substitutes that can be used during a match will increase from three to five players. This is in line with the temporary law amendment made by the International Football Association board last month. Shareholders also approved for clubs to increase the maximum number of substitute players on the bench from seven to nine for the rest of this season. So I do want to bounce it off you. Now, Jan's take in a nutshell was, look, we see this shit happening in pre season and it's farcical and it's annoying and you see lads lining up four substitutes. And you know he, he took the piss a little bit and he said, you know, by about game three, uh we'll have Jose Mourinho crying that he only had five substitutes to use. You know, that's that's how it's gonna go. Will you help me to understand the rationale behind this? Because I'm sure it's some touchy feely thing about you know guys not being particularly fit or what if we got an outbreak of uh the rona or something i don't know explain it to me what's going on here what's the rationale behind that do you think because i'm out of the loop and i'd like to get your take on it carl start and then i will go to camp
2: it's an idea made by non-football people about football that's mm. pretty much it mm-hmm. I, don't see, I don't see the. yeah I, I get the fitness thing and everything but um, too many substitutes ruin, ruin football games. But it does give me a chance to tell me one of my favourite anecdotes about my mate Lucan when we played um, into Milan as part of the Paul Ince deal. Uh, and uh, I won't tell you Lucan's nickname on air. But um, as as they made their seventh substitute in the second half. Is it uh, Lord? Is it Lord? Uh, no, it was something else. Uh, it was, uh, I'm, I'm not going to explain what it is either. <laughs> okay. And um, uh, as they made their seventh substitute, well, i was stand next to. to, to um, to, to Bowles as you used now, know on the cup, and I said uh, and he said to me this is look they make it because obviously the, the, the inter game was under the guise of the Pirelli Cup mm-hmm. and he said quite loudly they're making a mockery of the Pirelli Cup which <laughs> 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 is one of the funniest things I've ever heard at the match <laughs> and that's what it'll be every game will be the Pirelli Cup uh, and, um, and to say that the Pirelli Cup was won by a, a goal from 20 yards by Steve Harkness that's how much the value we
1: had <laughs> for that yeah. cup yeah, there's so, super- no. It's a silly idea, Cam. I, I want to get. I want to get your take on it because okay. you can see, and I. I think Carl's probably right. I think it's probably non-football people who are, I don't know, maybe virtue signaling in some way or trying to look as if, like we said, it's all optics. I spoke to Jan last night about how 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 much bullshit there is that we have to sift through here. We'll be forced to watch lads. Uh, you know, in in trophy lifts and we'll be forced to watch lads lining up before the match and I'll be socially distant as within five minutes they're going two-footed into each other's faces. It's (laughs) an absolute –
3: They'll be socially distancing on corners as well.
1: It's an absurdity. It's an absurdity and it's been, I think, really brought home with the – to tie in with earlier on with the protesting thing that we've seen uh, earlier on, I, ho- I hope eventually um, that's something we'll be able to talk about in more length. But what what the hell are they thinking about with the substitution thing? Right. Is is it what we think? Is it them? Is it some sort of nanny state thing of like, I've oh, got to look after and I've got to be seen to look after the, the the squads? What do you think?
3: Well, I think genuinely they are trying to look after the squads and. My take on it is this: They're going to start playing competitive football without any warm-up matches beforehand. Yes, okay. they can play eleven, eleven, eleven versus eleven, like they did at Anfield uh, on Monday, I think it was. But that doesn't raise, that doesn't get you to match fitness per se. And I know it's the same for both teams. So my my take on it is because you've got to come straight back into a high level, high intensity game. There's going to be more risk of maybe muscle strains, repet- you know, soft tissue injuries, and, and things like that. So the reason, the rationale behind it is we can take more players off, but you can only make you you have to do the five substitutions within three three slots like you normally would now. So you can do you can stop a maximum of three times at the moment to make three substitutions. Yeah, you can't do one in these five minutes can't do five individual substitutions. You can still only do three slots. So in that way, you're not doing anything different to what's going on now. I've been watching uh, because I've been bored. So I started watching a bit of the Bundesliga, and I think they're doing the same there. And I haven't noticed any difference in the game whatsoever. But the reason I haven't really noticed any difference is because I don't know any of the players. So I'm just watching a game of football. Mm. Whereas when Premier League starts, I'll notice. Oh, suddenly that's a different player. That's a different player. So maybe I'll have a different take on it then. But from what I've seen of the Bundesliga games, it hasn't had any impact at all because of the way they've kept it into three slots. I'm
1: I'm gonna wrap that up there because we'll, as you say, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating, and we'll have a look at it and see how it operates in real life. We always try to have, I think, I think we do at least, certainly it's always in the back of my mind to have some sort of a fair and balanced um, promotion of picture of the club. And I think it's really important that today, before we finish off, I'm going to finish off uh, with a couple of other things, but just before we finish off, there was a a statement um, from the club today on the women's Super League decision and it says that Liverpool FC is disappointed by today's decision on how the 2019-20 Women's Super League season has been concluded, which will see the Reds relegated to the championship. And I think that's really important, right? I think it's really, really important that we point this out, whereas the men's team are doing what the men's team are doing. Um, the club is growing and growing, and as it does so, the women's team has taken on extra significance and extra fans And people will be invested in this. And the stories could not be more contrasting, basically. So the club statement says the COVID-19 pandemic has presented huge ongoing challenges around the world, the majority far more important than football. Okay, there's your covering statement. We know it's more than football. The focus of our women's team and staff since the beginning of the crisis was to be ready to return to WSL play when it was safe and proper to do so exactly the same as their male colleagues. We believe we would have been able to meet all the operational requirements, but a return to play was deemed impractical. And as this goes on, as I think you can hear, as uh, as I can hear, there's probably something going on in the background here of financial nature, which is like, well, it just wasn't worth it. And maybe I'm being cynical. As a proud founder member of the WSL, our fans greatly value our position within the league, and we hoped... For the opportunity to secure our status on the pitch, we enjoyed several notable firsts for the women's team this season, including a first WSL game in Anfield. And we are committed to continuing to grow the women's game in the country uh, with our fellow teams. We wish all the WSL teams well and look forward to seeing them again soon. And as a club, we will continue to respond to the ongoing humanitarian needs caused by the pandemic and especially in providing support to various NHS initiatives. And those expe- experiencing food poverty and social isolation. So, it's a well-couched statement which has a raw, a raw heart to it. Which is, fuck, we just wanted a chance to get a- an opportunity to see could we fight for survival. Man, that sticks in my craw, and it really gnaws and gnaws away at the old heartstrings, Carl. Because you know we, we're lucky. We're talking about the Reds and their motivation and how we're almost certain to win our first ever league title if the if the team managed to play out. And here you have this other aspect of the club, this other section of the club and, and the, the family of the of of the club who are looking at this horrendous situation that's been forced upon them. They don't even have the opportunity to fight for their survival. It's grim, isn't it?
2: Yeah it is. And I would say to that maybe if the club had backed the Women's League a bit more, then it wouldn't be that much of an issue. I mean, I don't know a great deal about the Women's League, but the people I respect who do who said that the um, they're not given as much as the opportunities as maybe they should be. And it is a shame, but, you know, we're, the, the women's team are the bottom of the league, and uh, I find that a bit odd for
1: a Liverpool club. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting, and I know, again, um, those who... I speak to on a regular basis who follow it. Um, I have been massively disillusioned with the way that things have been operating at the club. So that's yeah. in and of itself, that's that's a separate issue. But I just it, it, just the, the simple thing of it wrapping up, we were talking earlier on about how we'd have been gra- quite happy to take the Asterix title if it hadn't wrapped up uh, like it did in so many countries, we'd have taken it. Um, and you forget that there are people in the far end and it, in this case, it's our sisters, and they're on the far end, and I feel bad for them in many, many ways. I wonder if you want to talk about Timo Werner before we finish, because oh man, I'd like to talk about Timo Werner. I'll tell you why. Sure, it's not Tom Werner. It's definitely Timo, and as as and I know this because uh, a, a a lovely German follower. Uh, who I speak to on a regular basis who I I followed way before I was followed back by herself uh, said that uh, well she expressed some opinions about (laughs) Timo's and uh, it was quite revealing but what what I have to say is I've seen some pushback and I've had it myself. Uh, I, last night when it came out, and I knew it would annoy people. I knew it would, but I thought, look, I've, surely I've got a bit of goodwill here. People know I'm not a, <laughs> just a, a reactionary twat who just says things we're saying. But, and I knew it would annoy certain people, but I hoped they'd be quiet. Some people couldn't help themselves. They had to... says so
2: Chris, Chris, champion Trev Downey.
0: Yeah,
1: go uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, out of the out of the context of this show, I'm actually sound. On this show, I'm a prick. Uh but 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 but, but then so are you too. So it works. Well, um, <laughs> I would. So like I say, it works. But 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 so I, I was like dismissing it. I was like, fucking we're gonna win the league forget it, Tim Werner whatever. Now, and wasn't supposed to be naive. Obviously, I've seen this kid, I'd love us to sign the best players in the world. But what happened was the word got around, Cam, that it was because of money, and then the word got around that it was that we wouldn't agree to a certain fee, and then it was all about FSG out, and I kid you not, it genuinely was a spectrum from people going, this worries me, and there are people I love and I talk to regularly, and I won't disparage them for it, because fair play, it's a good point to the far end of it, which I tweeted you a little still earlier on, which was uh, the, the the opportunists who thought, brilliant, we can get our anti-FSG thing going again here. What's your take on the foreigner thing?
3: Um, I was disappointed uh, with, obviously, the signing seemingly not happening. I would like to think that it's more than just about the money. I'd like to think that the, the club feel that, okay, you know, but if the release clause was maybe not justified in the current circumstances with what's going on and realistically not knowing what's going to happen with transfer fees when the transfer window does finally actually open. So they've taken a pragmatic approach. Um, and I'm going to support the club because of what this club has gone through before FSG came in. What FSG's policy has always been is about sustainability and self-sustainability. They've never, ever said, we're going to pump hundreds of millions into the club. They've never pumped hundreds of millions into the club, apart from where they've put loans in, and then make a little bit of money back on those loans. They're not interest-free loans. So the stadium for the main grand the main stand expansion, they didn't, they didn't go to the bank. They put their own money in and they paid themselves back and they and they, they made money on that. That's they don't take money out of the club like, like say the Glazers do. They don't put millions into the club like the oil uh, oil money and like Abramovich does, because they don't they they've never done that. They want to make Liverpool Football Club a club that can stand on its own two feet. They want to run it like a proper business. If the TV money disappears, they've got to know that the club can still run. They're trying to run it like a proper business. So the fact that we're not signing Timo Werner, one player, and the fan base has completely lost their shit, or some of the fan base has completely lost their shit over it. It is only think, some. It is, yeah, only some. It, it is only some. Let's... let's be clear about that. Um, it, it's just ridiculous. If you if you can't it goes back to what you just said about goodwill. If you can't give FSG, Klopp, Edwards, Fallows a little bit of credit, uh Pep Linders, Buvak previously, a little bit of uh, Kravitz, you know, I can name I could keep, keep throwing names that like, if you can't give them a little bit of credit, a little bit of goodwill for uh, A Europa League final, a League Cup final, a Champions League final that, we, you know, you never know if things have been different, but that's any final. A Champions League win, it looks like we're going to win the league. This is in the space of four years of Klopp being there. Yes, this is the man they've always wanted, this type of manager. They've always wanted a progressive manager who can work within the way they want to work We've got the perfect setup there right now. We've got clock for another five four years, I think. Twenty twenty-four his contract runs till. Yep. Yeah. So instead of being shitty and picky and arseholes, enjoy what we've got. The transfer window hasn't even fucking opened yet. It's not the season hasn't even finished yet. And you're losing your ship because of one player. Well, when you all lost your shit last summer because we didn't make a signing after winning the Champions League, why haven't you lost your shit about the fact that we're top of the table, 25 points clear? That's fucking criminal then, isn't it? That's the
1: point. Right there. That's the point. And it's not about blind trust. It's about nothing but the opposite of blind trust. It's about evidence-based trust. That's what it's about. Exactly. Uh, It's evidence-based trust. And Carl, I'm just going to spin it back to you in a different kind of way because evidence-based trust is fine and good, and we all can say the right things and we can all trust them. You're you're often FSG skeptical, uh, as I think everybody has a right to be, uh, without being overtly critical about uh, of the of the whole, uh, just sometimes the parts, uh, but. Take it down this road for me. If we don't sign a Timo Werner, which we're not going to, if we don't sign a Kai Havertz or a Jaden Sancho.
2: That's, a uh, ram- that's pretty good, isn't he?
1: Or, yeah, that 2 ram lad or a newsman Dembele. Do you think you'll go into the new season uh, feeling as if it's been a failure, like Cam alluded to several people did last summer?
2: Not really, because these things aren't an exact science. You know, we've got no entitlement whatsoever to say, no, that's wrong. Turn up Timo Vin our player. Um, um my my answer to the, to the question you asked Cam would be two things. It'd be one, where does he play? Who are you dropping for him? Uh, and the other one would be um he he plays the lad didn't want to come here, he plays for someone else now. And there's only so much you can do about that. Um, you know, if we're not going to get Mbappe, although Mbappe 2020 stood in my head. Um I'm pretty sure that manager's good enough. The, 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 the difference between this, more than anything else, Trev, is we did, when we didn't get targets, when we didn't have a manager like Jürgen Klopp, is that you knew they'd bring in some Joe Cole shit or, you know, so, some someone like that. who like hello. Just, just someone who's going to just, really? You know, you, you think that's that. But with Jürgen Klopp, if he brings in someone who's not as good as Timo Werner... Then there's every chance by by working with him, he will be as good or better as Timo Werner. I mean, that's the difference between now and what we've done in the past. I don't like some last just tweet me actually saying, "Can you explain what you don't like about FSG, mate?" There's only 140 odd characters I can mess around with there. But, um, <laughs> obviously, may I suggest you everything you've read of mine since 2012, but I don't, I can't get, I can't, can't get on board to slag like, off the the the. the, the you know, if people are talking about you know it, it's we should be spending more money on it. If, if he didn't want to come, he didn't want to come. If he wants to live in London, he wants to live in London. Some someone said to me, "So no, that's that's not an issue." But you can't, you don't get everyone you want.
0: And, and also, I'm, just, I'm, I'm,
2: still, I'm still annoyed at Frank Wordington. I'm still annoyed at
1: Michael Laudrup. Yes, but, you know, but we did. Yeah. Okay, that's a brilliant show. That's a brilliant shout. Frank frickin' Worthington, for those of you who are as old as as as, as, as all of us. One of
3: Leicester's finest.
1: Michael Loudrop, for those of you who are as old as all of us, we were tentatively linked, in fact, exclusively linked with those two players. And at the time, they were like just ridiculous ballers who we wanted at our club. Like,
3: I've, I've,
1: I've often thought, what would have happened if we got Loudrop? But, you know, I suppose we'd have one more i don't know who who knows but the bottom line is this is where i want to go with it carl with you i i want to say that and i just want to clarify for listeners as well because just in case it came across that way with your little interjection there uh you are saying that yes you find certain things objectionable about the way that the management sorry the ownership have operated but in the bigger picture, you can also, can't you, uh, hold up your hands and say, well, that's very good, right? I'm, I'm, that's a correct uh, uh, assessment of your take. Ma-
2: ma- major things have improved. Major things. But I for the first three years, I thought they were floundering. They really did. But more, I mean, there's a mate, a mate of ours who said this once, it just sums it up perfectly. More public apologies than trophies. And yeah. like, Things like that, you know, things about the, the tickets and even the fellow thing recently, which they were completely wrong on. Mm-hmm. you know it's just little PR disasters like that that get under my skin but we're european world champions and we're about to win the league
1: so it's very hard to say oh no we've got to get rid of them
2: but to replace them with what somebody's exactly. do more than
1: that exactly have a word with yourself and offer it's it's the usual thing it's the usual thing people who want to see the world burn have got no no alternative to, or alternative to offer which is often very very frustrating and then um, i want to finish. Uh, my contribution to the show tonight before I go to YouTube, boys with a little bit about Jürgen talking about how success has not changed your relationship between him and the players. It's an extended quote, so just pin your ears back. The success doesn't change us. Uh, He says, the time we spent together changed it. He said, in the beginning, I didn't know them, meaning the players. I trust them because they're football players and I think I know after 20 years in the job how they are, but the rules are really strict and all that stuff. And now we work together in a different way. I'm still clear. Without discipline, you cannot do any sports. It's just not possible. That's why it's so important that we still have rules and all this stuff. But it's for the boys much easier to respect them because they're completely logical now. They know why we have these kinds of rules. So no, the relationship or whatever, the job doesn't change because of the success. It changed much more because of the time we had together. That's for sure. And that's Classic Jürgen here, really nice. Now stick with me. This is the quote I love. Having eye contact in moments when I celebrate and turn and have exactly someone's eyes and you see like this and feel pretty much the same, this is everything for me. It was like this as a kid for me. I know that it's not important. I just forget it constantly around football games. If there's a football game, we all know this feeling. It really feels like this. In the end, you forget everything around, which I think is allowed. It cannot happen that often, but it's allowed for these 95 minutes. And then we really connect to each other and create the best atmosphere ever. Seeing how much it means to other people gives me a lot. And if you will permit me to throw out all the bullshit cliches that every person who's trying to sell you shit is currently doing now more than ever in these times, they're the words that we need. They're the words of a man who has always been human first, football manager second. And he's talking about connection and. He's talking about real human connection, not the bullshit Zoom, Microsoft Teams, family quizzes. He's talking about real connection. And I think, Cam, that's heartening. That lifts my spirits.
3: He's the man. He's the boss. um, He just always seems to know the right thing to say. And he, he has a really good way of saying it. Um it's really hard to ever disagree with anything he says. Um it, and he he does it, gets you right there, doesn't it? Right there in that spot. It does you know. Just there. You know, you, you can see where I'm pointing now, can't you? Yeah. So um, Yeah yeah. yeah. And, and it's it's just magical. We are so lucky as Liverpool fans. We are so, so lucky, you know. Um we're so fortunate to have this guy who's running the club. You know, I mean, if ever the, the glove fit, Jürgen is that glove.
1: It's a fact. Nicely summed up. Carl Carbach, your final thoughts?
2: Uh, I've got some recommendations. Um, uh, of my own, some green grass on the ball is back. Uh, what I'm doing this time is I'm giving other writers a chance to uh, talk about the topics which we enjoy, which are very, very niche and non-LFC. Um, so much so that my mate's son uh, Matt has written uh, his first ever piece for us about strange transfers, about a check, about a Romanian player who was sold for fifteen kilograms of sausages. Uh, that's a, so that's a welcome read. Um, nice. My my podcast um, uh, Sherlock from Adler to Amberley has is, is, is never dropped really, but the last one we did, uh, I was amazed to to have a, a tweet um, asking if they can come on and by a woman called Bonnie McBird who wrote Tron. She wrote Tron, the film. Hey. Uh, so in the first 10 minutes of that, she she, did, she said before, I said, like, you know, you're not going to go to about Tron too much. And I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't forgive myself if I didn't. <laughs> uh, um, so she's done it as well. Um, and my next guest actually is also my recommendation. We're doing The Adventure of the Engineer's Thumb, which is one of my favorite Sherlock stories, with a woman called Chantel who runs a podcast called Lady Lady Justice podcast who looks at true crime murders, but not the big ones as such. She looks at the really, really sort of small ones that never really made the papers or anything like that. And her podcast really, really good. And she swears like a trooper.
1: Well, that's always good. Yeah. That is always good. You, you're going to love that. Yeah. Uh, I want to heartily recommend uh, both Carl's podcast, which is one of those things that when you... Listen, there are a million and seven podcasts out there, and I heard a really interesting thing done by the Australian Broadcasting Company talking about, you know, they they did a really clever thing. It was a kind of uh, really earnest ad. It was like, you know, now more than ever, more than ever, more than ever. And the payoff line at the end was, you know, in these difficult times, please don't start a fucking podcast. And I thought, right, I get it. I get it. I get it. Back in the day when there were three Liverpool podcasts and we were the third one, certain members of the first one were getting a bit pissy about us using the uh, uh, technology available to be part of it. So I get it. I do get it. But there is quality content to be had. And when you hear someone who's earnest about what they're doing, uh, you can tell. And it's immediately, immediately engaging And Carl's there talking to you about something that's a passion project for him. I'm not going to talk to you about uh, The Great Stories. I'm going to talk to you about Neil Poole who works with me on The Great Stories and is my sounding board on The Great Stories and contributes immensely to said podcast. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Neil's new project called Deaf Left Pod, which is which is Neil's absolute love song to a band that he adores, Death Leopard. A band which the majority of the population will have pigeonholed in a certain time, in a certain place, in a certain genre. And Neil is passionate about these guys in a way that you cannot believe. So much so that I listened to episode one uh which came out very recently and you'll you'll be able to get all the links at Def Lep Pod, d e d e f l e p p o d on twitter and I listened to that first episode uh about the band's first ever single and and release and because neil was so passionate about the bloody thing, I'm now invested. I want to know where this Death Leopard journey goes. I can't wait for episode two. So give it a listen. Tell Pooley whether you liked it or not. You're going to like it. And, you know, give it a review, give it a rate, all that kind of stuff. Neil's a great lad. Uh, He's a good friend and uh, he's, he's, he's talented in so many different ways. And this is a new side to him. He had the audacity to tell me that he might like my help with the technical side of things of setting up a podcast. Well, I was out of the loop when he needed me uh, because of my family nonsense. And wow, he knocked it out of the park. Everything from the graphics to the show to the production. It's great stuff. Give it a go and see what you think. That's my well, recommendation. What's really
2: funny about that, Trevor, is that there's a mate of mine who used to be on the, the uh, forum I was on for years uh called paul burns he um he, he sits in the Kemlin and uh he absolutely loves death Leopard so much so that i've been literally taking the piss out for 12 years about it so when i saw the original tweet from Pooley, i just hooked him and i just like put him on touch and just said you know said i can't believe someone's done this and the other day i saw burns recommend-
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey. the
2: recommend to the rest of the world so and they don't know each other so you know sometimes social media is quite a good thing
1: it can be quite a good thing. Don't uh, by the way,
2: Death Lab, but I have to say that. <laughs> they
1: of, course really are. Are. of course, you have to say that. Yeah. You're, you're, okay. you're, you're, uh, you're, your reputation will be shattered. I love
2: the fact yes. that Purdy loves them. I love that. that. That's just a nice thing. I like things like <laughs> that. But
1: but you, you, see what, you see what I'm talking about. You see what yeah, I'm talking yeah, about. You yeah. it, the- talk them that much, you do a podcast on them. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's one of those things where your opinion of the actual subject matter or the band or whatever it happens to be doesn't matter. If a podcast is done well, you're in, you're you're sort of enthused by the by the enthusiasm of the presenter, and that's all that matters. And uh, Neil's done a super job, on that Cam finishes out with your recommendation or a quote. I'm not sure what you've got for us.
3: Um, I'll do a quick recommendation and a quote. Uh, Netflix, Jeffrey Epstein, filthy rich. Definitely yeah, worth yeah. a watch. Heavy shit, right? Okay. Yeah, definitely worth a watch. A uh, bit of an eye opener. Um, my quote Never be in a hurry. Do everything quietly and in a calm spirit. Do not lose your inner peace for anything whatsoever, even if your whole world seems upset. And that was St. Francis de Sales. De Sales. De Sales. <laughs> de Sales. De Sales? The sallets. I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking Saint Francais de Sallets. Is it Frank, spelled, let's go with Frank.
1: Is it spelled D E and then S A L L E S? 1 L. Okay. It's two help. separate words. I can't yeah. help you. But let's just say that Frankie was on the money there. He was. Big Frank. Big Frankie. Yeah. Big Frankie Worthington was on the money there. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Uh, your recommendation, some heavy tack. And can I just say, if Netflix are producing a, a Jeffrey Epstein special, just take it with a pinch of salt. It's probably far worse than that. And I would say go and watch Michael Jordan doing his crack, because that is still so good. I watched Space Force during the week. Oh, I couldn't uh,
3: get into that.
1: It's daft. It's daft.
3: i it it what's. Is,
1: what's Nearly even one episode and i was like oh my god this is awful well what's even dafter <laughs> the, the real thing is is probably even dafter and, and and also they've fully given their tacit approval of the show because everything from the logo to the to the uniform is not a million miles off so wow. fair play to space force mm-hmm. uh we should we should start wrapping up we've gone long but guy Drinkle will edit this uh, monster into something um, comparatively okay it will be over length but then you've you've deserved a show which is over long because uh, through my absence we've we've missed at least two if not three so I want to Yeah, we haven't done Dominic Cummins yet <laughs> yeah 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 wait listen we have topics up the wazoo and then we're back yep. we're back if you know what I mean so let's get into it let's let's do one in a few days if you want to do we're it back tomorrow yeah Let's just do it tomorrow. I don't care. Well, let's go again soon as we can. Let's just
3: all meet at Barnard Castle and do a video.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bring your glasses. If I can (laughs) see you. Right. On that note, with the, the badinage in full flow, let's finish this episode of the Anfield Index podcast. Let me thank you. Our listeners, um, for your continued support. Let me apologise for the disruption in the flow of the podcast. That's all on me, and let me remind you that the best thing you can do for us is to either pass on the word uh, verbally or via your social media of the show. Uh, we'd appreciate that immensely. I have been Trev Denny. That was Cam Branch. That was Carl Kopic in the background. It's producer Guy Drinkle. And until we speak to you again. Be kind to your fellow Reds, and a line that everybody's robbed from me over the last while. Stay safe out there.
0: Network.